Hey everybody, this is Talking Truth. I am Dan Whitney, aka Larry the Cable Guy. I think you know that by now. I don't know why I have to keep saying that. So, um, uh, this is a fun podcast. We hope you're getting something out of it. I get, even if nobody's listening, I enjoy it. I get a lot out of it. So, uh, uh, we're all growing as Christians. Nobody is perfectly sanctified, and I hope that you get get, get something out of it. I'm joined, obviously, with Nat, my sidekick over here, Nat Crawford, and. The ringleader of the whole thing. So if this show stinks, oh, generally no. it's aimed at Brian. Sniff it out. I love that yeah. top hat. Brian mm-hmm. is the ringleader, the visual timekeeper, I like to call him. If he, <laughs> we had a band, he would be the drummer and the one doing all the dates. The Phil Collins of the group. The Phil Collins oh, wow. of the group. Um, uh, anyway, we're on Samuel. First Samuel 7, the two keys to victory. And, um, you know, what's the difference, fellas? Between just saying I'm sorry and true repentance, is there a difference? And if there is, does it have to do with the heart? And anyway, that's something that we're going to talk about today as my buddy Brian is going to take us through 1 Samuel 7, Courage to Lead. As always, um, uh, if you can uh, sit through it, Brian's going to do a little lesson. (laughs) (laughs) or you could stand up (laughs) listen brian's gonna we have to read this so brian's gonna read the message he's got Mm -hmm. a nice message and then Mm -hmm. and then nat and i just like every week we'll comment on it and throw out our questions and um these are from the heart too yeah this is why i've never even seen a question written on a sheet of paper we just make these things up this is why i like this because Mm -hmm. we can ask questions and just like you and try and get some things answered. So, okay, Brian. All right, here comes the nice message. Sometimes I interrupt, mm-hmm. Brian. It's yeah. probably, I probably shouldn't, but sometimes I think of something, mm-hmm. and a spaz, so I'll have to say it. It oh, keeps boy. us awake. Yeah. That's right. All right. So in the last Just episode, like now, I'm going to say something now. <laughs> you know, that was so predictable. This yeah. is a good lesson. Yeah, you learned. walked right into the trap. You know you're going to wait for all about time. <laughs> okay, I'm going to fool you. In the last episode, we talked about the slow fade into misery. So you thought I was going to say something, (laughs) I didn't. We're stuck in the mud and we want out. Sin holds us in bondage. Now what? You know, if you're serious about getting out of the mud to experience the life Jesus has for you, then there are two critical steps you must take. Or maybe you're in a position to help others out of the mud. What is it you need to know to truly help them? Well, that's what our story is about in 1 Samuel chapter 7. In 1 Samuel chapter 6, the Ark of the Covenant was returned to Israel and would remain in storage for a hundred years. Eli and his sons were dead. Shiloh was destroyed by the Philistines. There was no religious center in Israel, and the people felt nothing but despair and hopelessness for the next 20 years. Then Samuel. You know, I love that line. God has been preparing a people and preparing a leader for this moment. Samuel told the people if they were serious about change and returning to God, they needed to remove all the idols and pagan temples and serve the Lord alone. In other words, hey, if you're serious about turning to God, then you need to turn from your sin and clean up your act. It's true that Samuel's counsel seemed rather obvious. Of course, that's what they needed to do. 
But in my experience, it's not uncommon that people get so lost and confused in their sin, they just can't find their way out. What may seem so obvious to you may not be so obvious to them. People become blinded to the truth in the darkness and often cycle deeper and deeper into the abyss. So what do we do? Well, we do what Samuel did. We roll up our sleeves, we get involved, and we help them. Walking away doesn't help them. Throwing stones in judgment doesn't help them. Leadership is influence, and in these types of moments, we can influence someone down a better path, you know, the path of freedom. The text tells us that as soon as Samuel told them what to do, they did it. Samuel gathered the people at Mizpah, and there the people finally confessed. We have sinned against the Lord. As readers, we have waited a long time to hear those words. Just think how things might have been different had they uttered those words some 20 years before. To confess literally means to agree with God. I am agreeing with God that my action or attitude is offensive to Him, and it's destructive to me. If I truly believe that, then whatever the sin, I mean, it must stop. This leads to repentance. It's literally a changing of the mind. I am willing to do whatever is necessary to stop this offense before God. These are the two keys to victory. It takes confession and repentance. Many people fall into what I refer to as the sin-sorry, sin-sorry, sin-sorry cycle. People sin, they get caught, so they're sorry. But there's no real brokenness before God, no real confession and repentance. Eventually, they commit the same sin again. Then they're sorry again, and again, and again. Oh, they're sorry, but not repentant. I mean, there's no real lasting change. Having dealt with these issues for four decades, I can usually tell when someone is sorry but not truly repentant. There's usually quite a bit of damage control, you know, downplaying the issue, wanting to keep it quiet to protect your reputation. People try to control the situation to manage sin with half-hearted efforts, but typically it's only a matter of time until the same sin happens again. But when there is true confession and repentance, there's no sin management, no damage control, no excuses, no blame. There's just brokenness, a desperate cry for help, and a willingness to do whatever is necessary to change. In our story, once again, the Philistines gathered to do war with Israel. Only this time, the people cried out to God for deliverance, knowing only their God could save them. This time they were broken and repentant in desperate need of saving. Thus Samuel cried out to God and God gave the Israelites a great victory. Not only for that day, but for the first time in hundreds of years, the people lived in peace and safety for as long as Samuel was their leader. What made the difference? Well, 20 years earlier, the people blamed God for their troubles and seemed blind to their own rebellion and sin. This time, Samuel called them to confess and repent of their sin. And God heard their prayer. For the first time in generations, these people experienced peace in the land. For those who are miserable, living in bondage and sin, it takes more than just being sorry. It requires true confession and repentance to experience lasting change. 
For those of us who are serious followers of Jesus, our role is not to walk away or throw stones, but to roll up our sleeves and try to help, to walk with others as they seek to find their way out of the darkness and into the light. God always stands ready to forgive those who truly confess and repent of their sin. I mean, it's never too late. Just ask Samuel. We'll bring in Dan and Nat to talk about this, but first, let me remind you that today's episode is sponsored by Go Tandem, your spiritual fitness app. Start a daily spiritual workout plan that's tailored to your needs. That's Go Tandem. Download it today. So let's bring in Dan and Nat. Let's talk about this. I mean, guys, what a relief to see the people finally getting serious about their idolatry and sin. Absolutely. And, and when you said you love that line, then Samuel, that is really cool. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it, and this has nothing to do with that, but it just reminds me of uh, NFL films I watched mm-hmm. on the 76 Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. The Raiders won that year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're talking about Steelers were rolling through the Midwest, mm-hmm. right? And then the announcer goes, and then came the <laughs> Oakland Raiders. So you knew something <laughs> right. was going to happen. Yeah. But that I, but but I say that to say that then same mm-hmm. only thing after and then do we have uh, are we uh, are we the way this country's in shape now? Are we gonna have? Is God gonna give us a Samuel? Is is there gonna be somebody? Are we too late for that? Are we going to get and then Samuel in our history? Or is this basically, can we be, is every, you yourself, you become the Samuel. Hmm. Like we can all be Samuels. I think instead of waiting for this one person, well, I'll just kick back and wait for this Samuel. I think we say to ourselves and then Samuel, say to ourselves and then you. Yeah, and absolutely. You came and yeah. you did this mm-hmm. and you talked to people. I think if everybody, when God says, if my people that are called by my name, we could all be a Samuel right now because if we all become Samuel and we do what he said, he will heal our land. Yeah. 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 yeah and even those verses, that, you know, it, they aren't really referring to the United States. They're referring to the people of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So absolutely. you're right. Each one of us can step up and do our part. Right. So so that's very encouraging. You know, if people would just, you know, Christians, if you believe the Bible like you say you do and you love Jesus like you said you do, become a Samuel in your community. Right. Look for those people that are hurting, those people that need hope, those people mm-hmm. that are asking why, what's happening. Mm-hmm. Let them know the hope you have and the love that you have. Hmm. And man, we could, I mean, it could be a Samuel, right? Yeah. yeah, I think of every person, myself and all of us in this room included, if we simply recognize that God has called us to something to live a life intentionally, imagine what would happen if we invited other people into that experience of walking with God, considering who we are, our identity in Christ, and then begin to see that reality lived out. I mean, we would see. Uh, revival in our neighborhoods and in our in our cities and in our workplaces. But it, if we're waiting for God to raise up that next person, guess what? He's already done it. It's you. It, it, it's me. Yeah, I think one of the big challenges these days is so many Christians, they're so angry. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that's not a good posture to step in and help. They, they tend to vent their anger and 
walk away from those they think aren't doing it right, right. versus can't we roll up our sleeves and get involved and try to help, especially with our brothers and sisters, people that want help. Right. You know, that, and that, the fact you said that, that's what I have done in the last year. I've tried my best to do, because, you know, I like, I like delving into the political stuff. It's, it's fun. I enjoy that as a hobby. But I found myself getting in conversations with people on a golf course or people just whatever. And it just turns into me berating over politics. And then one day I'm just thinking to myself, wait a second, I'm a Christian. Why mm-hmm. am I like bent out of shape? Right. You know, that's not, you know, you should be involved in politics. Mm-hmm. You should vote the right way. But instead of adding to the anger and the frustration, <laughs> you're saved, man. You're a Christian. Be happy. Right. I mean, don't don't drag everybody down. So I've, you know, in the last I've worked really worked hard on that. In controlling that, because that's what we need. We need people that are, we need people to show people that we have hope and mm. this, and we're happy. You can't say I got Jesus in li- living in you, and you know, and busting think, your fist against a wall. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, <laughs> and maybe we underestimate how miserable people are. Mm. You know, it's easy just to look at the mess and cast judgment, right? But I don't think. Those people in misery are having a really good time. No, in no. their misery. No, they just don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. They don't know. They don't know how to get out. Maybe sometimes we assume too much, but there's a lot of them that would be open to help if somebody was willing to step up and guide them out. Absolutely, and they and they would be more. Uh, they would more or less come to that person that's displaying joy and happiness and kindness, they would be more than likely coming to somebody like that, which could be you. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. If well, you're drowning, right. you don't look for someone else who's drowning. Right. Absolutely. You look for somebody that knows how to swim. That's profound. That's really oh, good. Oh, boy. Yeah. Right. But I, mean, I think another quality of, of someone who is saved is, yes, joy and hope and all those things, but it's also a repentant heart, right? I mean, that's kind of the moral of this story. Look at what happened. I mean, it took him 20 years. And, you know, as you were talking and thinking back on that story, I'm thinking, I guess I'm not really that different than, you know, the people here of Israel. They took 20 years. Pride got in the way. They're pointing the finger at everyone else, much of what we're talking about here. You know, we're looking around the country and going, well, it's you, it's you, it's you. But what if we began to ask the question, okay, what did I do to contribute to this mess? What have I done in my behavior, my thought, and begin to really assess that? And then we actually develop a repentant heart, a heart that's in tune with God. Because I think for so many of us, it's easy just to be prideful and to look at how other people have wronged us, but instead saying, whoa, 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 I'm actually, I need to be sorry, okay? I need to really think about, am I... Uh, sorry because of the consequences, and that's probably where most people live, right? We don't like the consequences, but there is a difference, right, between just pure um, being sorry, right, being caught with our hand in the cookie jar versus real repentance, right, Brian? Yeah, how, do you, how do you tell if there's yeah, somebody the sorry or somebody's like truly repentant or just sorry? Yeah, I think, you know, I mentioned after doing this for 40 years, you, you start to see the patterns. Mm-hmm. But somebody that got caught, and they're sorry, maybe their spouse brings them in, they're making them confess to the, to the pastor, but there's not 
it's not all my fault and these other people are to blame and it's not that big a deal and we're trying to keep it quiet and we don't want anybody else to know and you start to you start to hear they're trying to manage the situation they're trying to manage the damage control it's not that big a deal Mm -hmm. and usually i feel like i should go ahead and make an appointment for you because you're going to be back in six months because i don't think you you really are repentant right when people come in and they're broken there's just no excuses they're not trying to manage anything they're not doing damage control Mm. they're just pretty open to tell me what i need to do right and again, confession is agreeing with God, yep. and repentance is, then I need to change my mind. I need to go a different direction. Yeah, I remember a friend of mine, he's an executive coach and, and a pastor, and he would teach a class called The Art of an Effective Apology. And what it really was, it's, it's the uh, art of repentance. But the number one client that would request this were businesses, because they knew there were so many problems inside the workplace because of pride and a lack of being willing to own your own mistakes and begin to address them. So he would say, well, number one, you have to admit that, you know, you're, you're sorry, confess, right? I'm sorry I did something. And then you'd admit, well, I was wrong. Like, I've hurt you, and here's what I've done. But then I think maybe this is another key difference between just pure so- being sorry versus really turning and changing your mind is saying, what can I do now to make this right? Right now we know with salvation, God's grace is sufficient. We can't buy that, earn it, keep it by our works. But there is value when we turn and change our thinking. It results in a life changed. Is that right, Brian? Yeah. I mean, where I see it a lot is like in couples. And the husband or wife has reached a point where it's like, I don't want to hear you say you're sorry one more time hmm. because they're just tired of the cycle. Right. And they're tired of being hurt and they're tired of believing only to be disappointed. Hmm. And sometimes they just don't want to hear it anymore. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's that sin, sorry, sin, sorry, sin, sorry cycle. Hmm. And that's where who, who, whoever that is that's involved in that sin needs to understand it. Something needs to change. It needs to stop. Because, yep. you know, if, if to use a golf imagery, you're out of mulligans. <laughs> you know, so, something has to change. Can you run change. out? Uh, you're really never able. <laughs> in my experience, this is true. Uh, you got breakfast balls. You got mulligans. <laughs> right. We're gonna are there breakfast balls in life right. as well? Maybe we could ask Kara <laughs> if you have any mulligans left. Uh, I have no doubt there are people who are listening right now who are going, "I'm stuck in the sin cycle." Um, that describes me with my marriage, with my kids, with my boss. I mean, you, you name the the situation, but they're stuck. I mean. Practically, guys, what, what, what do they do to get out? I think they need to seek help. They're not going to make it alone. So find a church, a friend, someone they respect. And those two things are good to keep in mind. Confession, I need to agree that this is offensive to God because what's implied in that is then I'm saying it needs to stop. And repentance is changing my mind. This isn't going to make me happy. This isn't going to deliver. I need to think differently. But my experience over the years, most people don't really experience change without getting some help. They need community. They need encouragement. They need accountability. Getting into the Word. um, And and all that's available for people Hmm. if they want to. Right, right. And I think when you said getting into the Word, that's... 
that's obviously one of the main things. Because so I was telling my kids that today, you know, uh, the other day that that you know you just made sure whatever you do, just always stay engaged. You know, you're not gonna be around the house forever. You're gonna be on your own, but just always be engaged with the words of Jesus. Hmm. That's so important because the devil's gonna come in and get right in the middle there hmm. and drive you further and further away and down a dark hole. Mm-hmm. So you just got to keep that, got to keep that lifeline open. You got to keep, you got, you got to stay engaged with the words of Jesus. You got to read the Bible. You got to do your study. Even if, like I said, if it's only 15 minutes a day, you got to stay engaged. That's the first step into what we're talking about. Because if, if you try to do this and then neglect the Bible and neglect the words of God, then it's not going to work because you got to stay engaged. If you don't stay engaged, you might as well forget about it. So that's step one. Get back in the Bible and stay engaged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think all, all this is good advice. We need to keep close proximity to each other. We need to stay t- uh, close to the Word. And I even appreciate your uh, your encouragement to get into a church a local body a good one don't go to any church that says they follow jesus but they don't follow those words of jesus Hmm. or just send me fifty dollars at this address and the lord will take care of all your problems (laughs) yeah i lost on that deal (laughs) once that's some of that uh, tv preaching stuff the great thing about the country we live in is there are good solid bible teaching churches absolutely that people can be part of if they choose to do so mm-hmm. that is true or i'll send you this vial of brian clark's sweat mm, oh wow that you can <laughs> pour on your that's body. a little that's a little mm-hmm. musky i don't know <laughs> keeps the devil away keeps the devil away and us, and us. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Brian. You know, with all the noise and distractions you hear in the world today, we wanted to create a podcast where we could talk about and share the truths of the Bible. It's our prayer that you've been encouraged today, and maybe we even made you smile a little. That's what Talking Truth is all about, and we'll be back in two weeks with more. So please subscribe so you won't miss the next episode. Until then, let's keep talking truth. Get it done.